0: Everybody love the Lord, say amen. You ha- if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and hold your place there. Uh, and I'm going to kind of give you some introduction tonight. I want to tell you about a little Bible study help tonight that I, that I knew was there, but I didn't know the totality of its, uh, uh, bene- its benefits. On our website, which is cotrnorth.com, uh, down at the bottom, if you go all the way down at the bottom of the, of the front page, I don't even remember what it looks like as far as, but it's a, it's a place where you can look up scripture. You can, you can uh, type in a scripture and, uh, and it'll give you, you can choose versions. And when you push select or whatever, it pops up to the website that, that hosts all this. And I forget the name of the website, but uh, then it just gives you all kinds of options about that passage of scripture other versions to look at, and then commentaries that they have uh, on their website about that particular passage of scripture. So a very good tool right on our website. I want to encourage you to take a look at it as you study the Bible and you have questions about uh, you know, uh, uh, scriptures, or if you'd like, you know, what does another version or does a paraphrase, you know, tonight we'll be reading some paraphrases of, of verses, uh, great tool. Everyone say it's a great tool. It really is to help you study the Bible. And so just gives you all kinds of helps and things. So take advantage of that and, and apply it in, in your daily Bible study. And I think it'll be a great blessing to you. Uh, in fact, one Wednesday night. I don't know. Uh, I, can we actually put our put the uh, what you're seeing on the web up on the screen? Is that possible? Pretty easily. And then can, up on the, so like like you could you could navigate on the web and show it on the screen. Oh, okay, well we may do that next Wednesday night or something. So. So kind of put that in your thinking cap and remind me, and I'll show you that on, on next Wednesday night uh, up on the screen. So uh, anyway, uh, let me tell you what we're doing in February, just kind of bring a reminder to you if you're, if you're, uh, uh, hadn't been here last Wednesday night, uh, or the last couple of Wednesday nights, we're talking about the purposes of God for our life. This was spawned from our series on Sunday morning, strengthening your spiritual grip in January. How many of you remember that? And the last uh, uh, thing that we talked about, about it's important to get a firm grip on on Sunday morning was the purpose of God for our life. How many of you know you were born with a purpose? Amen. And most people are, are, are desirous to discover God's purposes in their life. And so uh, we, we, we sprang bored. That's not even right. We, we sprang from that into Wednesday night looking at the five purposes in scripture that we're all called to accomplish in life and that and they are primarily from of course the word of god but from rick warren's book the purpose-driven life how many have written have 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 read the purpose-driven life we got probably five or six of you i would encourage everybody listen carefully Uh, uh in fact uh uh, Amy showed me on her, is that, what is that, your iPad or something like that? You know, downloaded the book and so she's got it right there on her iPad. All kinds of great ways to get it. I think at Lifeway it's seven bucks. It's a 40 day uh, devotional that is just jam packed. I mean, I've been reading over it again. It's jam packed with great truth about the purposes of God for our life. And so uh, the Bible is the number one bestseller in the history of humanity. And the second bestseller in the history of humanity is the purpose-driven life. So uh, it just leads me to believe that people all over the world are, are, are you know, desperately desirous to discover and plug into the purposes of God for our life. So that's what we're doing here on Wednesday night. And and uh, let me just kind of give you a keynote verse, uh, Ephesians chapter one, not in your notes, but uh, it says this, this is kind of our springboard in this series. Uh, and this is from, uh, I think the living Bible. It says it's in uh, Ephesians 1 it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ, He had his eye on us. I love that. Had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and in everyone. You see, what most people's problem is, is they're asking all the wrong questions. They're saying, what do I want to do in life? What, what, what do I want to be when I grow up? And that's really the wrong, the whole wrong perspective. The question we need to be asking is, what does God want me to do? And what does God want me to be? And what's his purposes for my life? That's, that's what this verse says. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ, he had his eye on us and had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he is working out in everything and everyone. So so it's God's purposes for our life that brings great uh, contentment and joy in our life as we fulfill them. Here's the five purposes, uh, and uh, and when you read the book, you'll you'll see them uh, discussed in many different uh, ways and described in many different ways. But basically, here they are: we're created or called to worship. We talked about that Sunday, uh, Wednesday night, that God created us to bring Him pleasure. And we talked about the fact that a lot of people have a misunderstanding of worship. They think it's the song service. How many of you know worship is much more than a song service? It's a way of life to bring blessing and glory and honor to God in all our life, to please him uh, and live a life that honors God. Uh, the second one that we're going to look at tonight, we're, we're created or called a fellowship. We'll talk about that, to be plugged into the family of God and Next Wednesday, we're created or called uh, to grow spiritually, to become more like Christ, to be disciples of Jesus. That's why we study the Word. That's why we, we endeavor to be more like Him and, and, to, and to grow spiritually. It's God's purpose for us to be more like Him. Number four, we're created and called and have the purpose of God to minister and to serve in the world and in the church that God has planted us in. And then finally, we're created and we're called into the purpose of God for influencing this world for Christ or evangelism or reaching our world for Christ. In fact, that last Wednesday night of February, Trent's going to be sharing from that topic. Beverly and I will be at a missions uh, kind of roundtable pastors conference in, in Arkansas with pastors from all over the nation just talking about uh, how are we going to accomplish God's kingdom purpose and and uh, fulfill the mission that he has for us. We'll be with Dr. Shibley with Global Advance. Many of you have met him and know that are we support them in missions as they train pastors and leaders all over the world uh, to win their world to Christ and to fulfill their mission in life. So... Uh, so, while we're there being trained and empowered and equipped and inspired, you guys will be doing that here. And so, I appreciate Trent doing that for us. So, there's the five purposes. And uh, each Wednesday night, we're looking at one. Let me just read to you what Rick Warren said in his book about all of these. And I thought it was a great, he, you know, he's a great uh, uh, preacher and a great, he, he says things wonderfully. And he's, he's communicated these five principles in 101 different ways. But I like this. Let me just read it to you. Worship helps. You focus on God. Fellowship helps you face life's problems. Discipleship helps you fortify your faith. Ministry and service helps you find your talents. And evangelism helps you fulfill your mission. I thought that was great. He kind of capsulized all those five purposes and how they impact our life. Uh, and so tonight we're going to talk about uh, being called or formed for God's family uh, and uh, realizing that God created us uh, not just to believe but to belong to the family of God. Amen. And so with that in mind, Father, speak to us about the priority of the fellowship of the saints and help us plug into to your priority tonight in the call of God and the purpose of God for us to plug in and be involved in the family of God. Everybody said amen. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19. Uh, you can turn there if you like. Uh, I'm going to read to you the last part of it from the Living Bible. Uh, and uh, I've quoted this so many times since I read the Purpose Driven Life. I love the, Bi- the Living Bible's uh, uh, a paraphrase of this last part of this verse. It says, you are members of God's family. Everyone say members. You're members of God's family, citizens of God's country, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. I love that. Let's read it together. It's on the screen. Here we go. Everyone loud and proud. You are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country, And you belong in God's household with every other Christian. You know, I love that that defines the responsibility and the reality of the purpose of God for our life. When we talk about the fact that we've been formed for the family of God, we've been called to belong to a family, not just believe in Jesus. There's a lot of people say, I believe in Jesus, but they don't belong to a family. Could I tell you, I really doubt people's connection to Christ if they're not committed and connected to the family of God, because it's like, hey, I belong to the family of God, but... I don't belong to the family of God. You understand what I'm saying? You know, and so uh, uh, we need to embrace this truth and realize the value and the priority of God when it comes to the local church in our life. You know, when you look at the New Testament and Paul described the church in so many different ways. He called it the family, the body, the household, a building. A lot of different descriptives of the church that Jesus said he is building. And, and most all of the descriptions, in fact, all the ones that I've read, I, I quoted to you, family, body, household, building, they have as the core backbone of, of their very descriptive nature, a committed, connected relationship with one another, right? The family of God. What a great illustration, the body of Christ. We're going to read about that in First Corinthians chapter twelve. The building. In fact, we're all the Bible says we're built together. And we're, you know, and so uh and, and we're we're linked together. So many different descriptives about what it means to be connected and involved and 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 uh, committed to the family of God. The word member here, where it says you are members, everyone say members again. You know, I think it was C.S. Lewis, I'm not sure, uh, who first kind of brought about the insight that this word members was born uh, out of the Christian church in the early, 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 early years of the church. Uh, They birthed this word to describe the the connection and the commitment of the of the family of God together, the very word member. You know, now we all talk, well, I'm a member of the health club. I'm a member of the glee club. I'm a member of the choir. I'm a member of the worship. And we all have that mindset. But, but uh, when this word was born, it defined uh, a whole new level of connection and commitment to the family of God than anyone else had ever understood. They had to create a word. To define the, the, the priority and the responsibility and the, and the, the necessity of uh, what it meant to be a part of the family of God. And so we are members of God's very own family, citizens of God's country and belong. Everyone say we belong. We belong in God's household with every other Christian. That's just the reality of who we are as a Christian the very definition of being a Christian and understanding what it means to be a Christian. And as we look at verses tonight, we'll know that, you know, to, to call ourselves a Christian and a Christ follower and not to be a... a part of the family of god is kind of like a contradiction in terms you know a christian the definition is one who's a part of the family of god and following after the lordship of christ and i don't know about you but i've never read in scripture where jesus ever led anyone away from the family of god he's always leading them to the family of god so uh so let's catch the understanding are you in first corinthians chapter 12 Let's look at this tonight. You know, when you look at the writings of Paul, you discover that, that he had this mindset about the church as a body. Uh, and uh, he, he, and it's just like as members, he looked at us as vital organs uh, in the body. You know, we're all very important uh, to one another and so uh, and, and, and we're indispensable. And some people are like, well, I'm not very important. Let me read this to you. You've read it before. First Corinthians chapter twelve, verse twelve. Uh, it says eighteen, but really should say twelve. Probably through really the whole chapter. Uh, I want to show you. Uh, let's just look in verse twelve. For as the body is one, and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. So he's drawing an illustration. With the body, we've got some people here in the medical field. You understand all the different parts of the body, you know, the, uh, more than I could ever understand. Uh, but Paul understood it enough that, hey, even the body that's made up of all these different members, yet they're still part of one body. That's what he's beginning to say. He says in verse 13, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. We're all made. Look around tonight. Look around at somebody now. Aren't you glad that we're not all the same? Amen. Aren't you glad that your neighbor's not like you? Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It's really, we're all different, we're all unique we all have a specific grace and a gift and we'll talk about that and he says he goes on to give this illustration he said verse 14 for in fact the body is not one member but many and verse 15 if the foot should say because I'm not a hand am I not uh, of the body is it therefore not of the body well of course not it's a part of the body if the ear should say because I'm not an eye am I not in the body is it therefore not of the body well the answer obviously is of course not it's still part of the body if the whole body were an eye where would it be the hearing if the whole were hearing where would be the smelling but now God has set everyone say set that's an important word but God has set the members that means us look at your neighbors that means us he's talking about us God has set the members each one of them in the body just as he pleased and if they were all one member where would the body be but now indeed there are many members yet one body if you're getting the picture say I'm getting it You're getting the picture. Good. I am too. He goes on in verse 21. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't have need of you, nor again the hand to the feet, I don't have need of you, nor much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. (coughs) Pardon me. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. Pardon me, I may start coughing in a minute. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks, that there be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care. Everyone say, same care. Same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually you see when you became a part of the family of God you didn't lose your identity you're gaining your identity because our identity and our purpose is discovered in Christ right some people think well you get part of that you know you kind of lose your identity it's not true you gain your identity we all have our gift and our grace and uh, It's a wonderful place to be because God uses all of our uniqueness to bring about this wonderful expression of Christ in the earth. And then he goes on to just kind of reveal that in the body, there's government. And he says, God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers after that, miracles and gifts of healing, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. Thank you, Jeremy. What's he saying here? What's the big illustration? The body of Christ. The priority of us plugging into the body of Christ and finding our place and realizing, hey, just because we're not like everybody else doesn't make us unimportant. In fact, what did he say? That the parts that we would think are not important are really some of the most important parts. I heard this uh, illustration. Uh, I can't remember who was, I was listening to a podcast and he was talking about the church being like a big ship. You know, and there, you know, you think of the ship and all the glorious parts of the, the ship up on top, you know, with all the, you know, the, the mast and the railing. And you kind of think of the, you know, the Titanic and, oh, you know, the, the you know, man, those, those parts that everybody go, oh, if I was a part of the ship, I'd want to be that big, pretty, you know, part that raises real high. And uh, the, he w- went on to say, but think about those old planks down in the bottom of the ship. That nobody sees that are down there just going, well, I guess I'm not very important. I guess I'll just get disconnected and float off into my own world. And and then he realized that plank down in the bottom that nobody sees, what's it doing? It's keeping the whole boat afloat. And so God's looking at us and saying, we're all very important, but we've got to find our place in the body. And so why a church family? Uh, let me answer that for you just a moment. Uh, let me give you, before I, we go into uh, uh, this topic here a little bit, I got five or six, seven things I can tell you. Let me give you some Rick Warren one-liners that I found as I was reading through the book. Here you go, just, just for your uh, listening pleasure. You discover your role in life through your relationship with others. We discover our role in life Through our relationship with others. How many of you think that's probably true? How we interact with each other and plug in and begin to connect with others. That's how we begin to discover who we are in Christ. Beverly and I can testify that, that where we are today is a direct result of the connections and the relationships we had in the local church when we were just little teenage kids and how that relationship grew and sparked and and spawned and and created vision and purpose and calling and destiny and reason for being in our life. How did that happen? Through the relationships and the connection in the body of Christ, amen? Here's another Rick Warren one-liner. Oh, this is getting serious. The first symptom of spiritual decline is usually inconsistent attendance at worship services. That's what Rick Warren said. One of the first indicators of a spiritual decline in someone's life is is a decline in worship attendance or or being involved in the body of Christ. How many of you think that's probably true? You know what what did Adam and Eve do when they sinned? They hid from the Lord. You know what people do when they start getting away from Christ? They start disconnecting with, the, with those that, that might be those who might hold them accountable or, or be able to, you know, uh, probably a little convicting when they get around them. That's the first thing people begin to do. When there's a spiritual decline in their life, they start withdrawing from the family of God rather than running to the family of God, which we'll see is one of the greatest benefits we have. So, amen. Here's one more, and, and I think I tweeted this. I'm not much of a tweeter, but I think I tweeted this. The person who says, this is Rick Warren, one-liner. The person who says, I don't need the church is either arrogant or ignorant. I like that. The person who says, I don't need that church, they're either arrogant or they're ignorant. And, and I, I know I'm preaching to the choir here because you're here tonight. So, uh, but uh, the reality is true. This is arrogance or ignorance because we need the church family in our life. So here we go. Why a church family? Why do we need a church family? Number one, here it is. It identifies us as genuine disciples of Jesus Christ, okay? In other words, being a part of the family of God is, is an identifier that we are following Jesus Christ in our life. That verse 18 where I said, but now God has set the members. Everyone say it again, set the members. How I many of you know if you're following Christ, you're going to allow him to set you? Amen. If you're really a disciple, and, and, and again, someone who says they're a Christian but they don't obey God, it's a contradiction of terms. You, you know, Christianity requires obedience. Being a disciple requires following Him, and so we see the head of the church, Jesus. It says He sets us in the body as He pleases. You know, that's just so different than the mindset of the world we live in. Because what do most? Pe- how do most people uh, plug into the local church? Most people don't pray about it. They say, oh, we enjoyed that. Oh, we think we'll come back again. Hey, I think I, you know, and you think, well, huh. uh, you know, and probably that happens with most of us. But then some go, Lord, I want to be where you want me to be. I don't want to be where some, somebody wants me to be. I want to be where you want me to be. And you know what God will do? He'll set us where he wants us. And that word "set" means to really to plug in and to establish and to cause to grow and begin to be established in the family of God. Some people treat church like they treat restaurants. You know, oh, that was a great restaurant. You know, man, we like that. Oh, but then you know, we got a bad meal there. I'm not ever going back there again. I find some. Oh, did you hear about the new restaurant in town? The new, oh man, they got this or that. Let's go try that. Hallelujah! Praise God! And, and uh, you know what? That's not what God says the family of God is all about. It's not about just, uh, in fact, what's the first phrase of the purpose-driven life? It's not about you. It's not about what you want. All the wrong questions it's what god what do you want and so the why do we need a church family because it it establishes and identifies as a genuine disciple of jesus christ Uh, we're going to follow him and obey him john 13 35 says this jesus said you love your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples your love for what one another In other words, how we model relationship. It's hard to love people if you're not involved with people, right? It's hard to to love like Jesus loved if you're not plugged in related to the family of God. And so Jesus said, the world's going to look at us and they're going to see how we're connected and committed and related to one another and how we fellowship and how we love one another and how we're faithful to the family of God. The world's going to see this and they're going to say, you know, now that person is a follower of Jesus Christ. That person is a Christian. So why do we need a church family? Number one, it identifies us as a genuine disciple of Jesus Christ. Number two, why do we need a church family? It moves us out of self-centered isolation. These are Rick Warren's ideas, and, and it's really true. Plugging into the church family keeps us from isolating ourselves because we are not created to be uh, self-centered. We're created to be selfless, to be relational and, and caring and connected to the family of God. And the church is really a classroom of how we learn to take care of one another. You believe that? It really is. It's, it's a lab, if you will. The church is a lab for learning how to care for others. If you look at this 1 Corinthians 12 passage, what does he say? He says, if one, verse 26, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, then all the members rejoice with it. In other words, this is a place where we learn to get our eyes off ourselves and get them on others. You know, selfish people don't fit very well in, the, in a thriving local church because they think it's all about them. You know, feed me, you know, bless me, help me, feed me, bless me, help me. You know, that's what little babies do, and you feed them and bless them and help them. But as they grow up, then you say, okay, you feed you, uh, uh, you put your clothes on, and oh, by the way, you you can carry out the trash now, and you can clean your room now, and oh, now you can vacuum the living room. You're growing up. You can be an active help in the family. And so church family moves us from self-centered isolation and keeps us plugged in relationally with one another, uh, and uh, you know most people most people uh, know John three sixteen. How many of you know John three sixteen? God so what? Love the world that he did what? He gave. Oh, it's a it's a word, it's a it's a verse of sacrifice for us, right? But not as many people know First John three sixteen. Anybody know what First John three sixteen says? First John 3.16 is a, is a verse of sacrifice, but here's what it says. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Yeah, that's what John 3.16 said, but here's first John 3.16. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Wow. In fact, if you read a lot of 1 John, you'll find verses like this. If you say you love God and hate our brother, we're a liar and the truth is not in us. In other words, it's a contradiction of terms to say I love Jesus and I want to follow him and not love his family and take care of his family. Amen. And so it's so important for us to plug into a place not only where our needs are met, but where we can meet the needs of others. And you see that in the church, in the local church in the book of Acts over and over and over again. One of my favorite verses in Proverbs, one of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 18.1. It says this, he who isolates himself seeks his own desire and he rages against all sound judgment. He who isolates himself seeks his own desire and he rages against all sound judgment. You see the church will keep us from being all isolated and keep us plugged in relationally and keep us of a sound mind and keep us on track with the purposes of God for our life. Number three, a church family will help us develop spiritual muscle. Why, a church family? It helps us develop spiritual muscle. I want you to turn to this verse. It's Ephesians 4.16. If you're in Corinthians, take a ride. Ephesians 4.16. Uh, in fact, Ephesians is a great book about the church and a lot of great insight. And I'd encourage you to read through the entire book of Ephesians and kind of catch the flavor of what Paul's talking about. He's talking about the local church. But well, look what he says in verse 16. He's talking about a, a, the church as a body. He said, from whom the whole body... Joined and knit together. There you go. There's those relational connection words. By what every joint supplies. Do you see that? By by how every part does its part. Look at your neighbor and say, there's something you have to supply. It's really true, is it not? Well, I need somebody to supply something for me. Well, we can do that. But guess what? Then you come to a place where you produce uh, some supply. He said... What happens? The whole body is joined and knit together by which every joint supplies. In other words, here, hey, when, when we're not all reaching out and helping one another, guess what happens? We're not connecting. One of the best ways to connect with others is to be a part of their life. And to and to help and to be helped, and to and to <coughs> love and be loved. He says. The whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working. Watch this. According to the effective working by which every part does it share. What does it do? Somebody tell me what it says. It causes what? It causes what? Growth in the body. It causes the, the body to begin to grow and get strong. And so... When we plug into the local church and we begin to supply and allow the others to supply what we need, and we realize, man, I need this. Man, this is my family. Man, I'm a member. I'm joined together. I, <coughs> pardon me. I'm knit together. What does it do? It causes a supernatural, spiritual dynamic to begin to happen. And the church family, including all of us individually, we began to grow stronger spiritually. Amen. That's one of the reasons the Bible says in Hebrews, don't forsake the assembling together as the manner of some is. So much more as you see that day approaching. I tell people, why do we need to stay plugged into the local church? Because it keeps us spiritually strong. We disconnect from the supply. We disconnect from the source of our strength. You know what? We might we might cruise along with a little momentum for a little while, you know, coast on down the track a little bit a little bit, but the, 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 the power source has been disconnected from our life. And so why do we need a church family? It helps us develop spiritual muscle. I love this, this insight about the New Testament. Over fifty times. In the New Testament, there's a phrase about one another or each other, talking about the connection we have with one another. And here's some of the words that define one another. It says we we are to love one another. We are to pray for one another. We are to encourage one another, admonish each other. Serve each other and one another. Teach one another. Accept one another. Honor one another. Bear with one another. And bear the burdens of one another. Forgive one another. Submit to, <coughs> pardon me, to one another. Devote ourselves to one another. Why? Because we need each other. <coughs> pardon me. We grow stronger by our connection and relationship with others. Because let me just say something. You don't have what it takes to be all that God has for you to be. You'll never have everything it takes to be all that God wants you to be. <gasps> don't tell me that, Pastor. You don't. Uh, little Josiah's back there. He's His grandmother's holding him. He's being a nice little boy. He certainly doesn't have what it takes to be all that he, he's... He's destined to be. He needs his mommy. He needs his daddy. He needs his grandpa or papa. He needs Grammy Bebo. He needs, as as he gets a little older, all those people that are going to work in the nursery. He needs his Aunt Stacy and Uncle Brent. He's going to need his big cousin Ty. He's going to need all these people. And you know what? He's going to need you. Because when he comes to church and walks into children's church or walks and gets into you, he's going to need somebody there other than Papa Sam and Grammy Bebo and and Daddy and Mommy to invest in him the things of God for his life. He needs other people. We all need each other. We don't have everything it takes to be all that God wants us to be. We are not created by God. We are not, how many of you know God didn't, let me just get off in left field just a little bit. God didn't just create Adam. God looked down at Adam and said, it's not good that he is, a." he wasn't created to be self-sufficient and independent. He was created with a need for relationship. Amen. How many of you like being alone lonesome? How many of you know it gets old in a hurry? Come on now, be honest with me. You know, I like to be alone a little bit, but, you know, after about a day or two, I'm pretty boring to myself. You know, I need some interaction. I need some relationship. Why? We're created that way. So uh, why why don't we need a church family? Well, it helps us develop spiritual muscle, keeps us strong. we grow faster. In fact, here at the church this coming year, uh, we're going to develop and we are developing even now some small group opportunities for you to begin to build relationships with one another. I know our ladies ministry is going to introduce some Bible studies and monthly Bible studies that'll be separate and different from our Wednesday night and Sunday format opportunities to, be, to to plug in with ladies relationally. Our college and career is working on that. Our young people are working on that. I'm working on that with uh, uh, maybe some couple's, things different places and ways for small groups you know you can worship with the church right you can worship with a bunch of people but how many of you know you can only fellowship with a few did you know in any gathering of 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 a church whether it's a hundred or or 500 or a thousand our relational connection fades out within uh 15 or 20 or 30 people did you know that what does that say We've got to maintain relationships with small groups of people, people in our life. Did you know even Jesus fellowshiped with his disciples? And he had, he had the 70, which was the group that went out. He had the 12 apostles. Then he had three special friends uh, in his the 12, uh, Peter, James, and John. And then he had his favorite. Did you, Jesus had a favorite. I thought he loved us all. He does love us all. He loves us all the same. How many of you love everybody the same? But there's some people that are, that are just your, your, what do y'all call them? Besties. I see that on Facebook. My, I said, you're beasties? Said, beasties. Oh, besties. 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 Okay, we're besties. And you know, that's the way we're created. And Jesus had John, his beloved friend, who never departed from him and never forsook him. And so that we all need that. We're created that way. So it helps us develop spiritual muscle. Uh, and so here at the church, we're going to create opportunities for us to build relationships with one another in a deeper level and connect better with the family of God. It'll be beneficial to all of us. Number four, why do we need a church family? It's because a church family helps us develop our ministry. It helps us realize who we are. And In fact, if you look at, if you go through our newcomers class and our new believers class, and I encourage everybody to do that. I don't have, oh, here it is right here. You can get online, go to our website, cotrnorth.com. encourage everybody to do that. You can download these notes. You can pick them up back there and you can listen online and go through these and you'll discover some important elements about discovering who you are in the ministry that God has for you and, and the service that he has for us in the local church. In fact, when you look at Scripture, you'll discover that, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, if we read that in totality, it talks about gifts and abilities. And 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says we all have a gift that we need to minister and, a, and, a, and an ability that we need to minister in the family of God as good stewards of the manifold multifaceted that grace of God on our life. And so God has us and he's created us with a purpose within the church to be a service and a help to the family of God. And so uh, why do we need a church family? It helps us develop who we are and how we're to help others in life. In fact, Ephesians 2.10, one of my favorite verses says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, God's big plan over your life is to be a service and a help to the family of God. Amen. Whoo, somebody say amen. You know, I love, uh, regardless of the politics, I love what John F. Kennedy said years and years ago. He said, ask not what your country can do for you. That was a pretty good impersonation. But ask what you can do for your country. That's a, great, that's a great revelation. And you know what? That's the way we ought to be with the church. Hey, I know the church can be a blessing to me, but that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, how can I be a blessing to the family of God? How can I serve? That's why we need a church family. It helps us discover who we are in Christ and how we're here to help the family of God. Amen. Number five, a church family. Why do we need a church family? Uh, it's God's method of reaching the world that's the reality when jesus left planet earth in matthew 28 he gave us the great what commission he commissioned his disciples that's us that's the family of god he commissioned us he didn't suggest it wasn't the great suggestion it was the great what commission we have a commission from god and what we'll learn from trent in a few weeks is we all have a mission to do our part in bringing people into the family of god and seeing people born again and the great commission says go into all the world and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father the son and the holy spirit and teaching them to observe all things that i've commanded you lo i'm with you always even to the end of the age what what was he commissioning us to do to reach our world for christ Amen. And that's the, that's the mission of the church. That's why the church is here today. I thought the church was here. In fact, years ago, there was a study done in uh, evangelical churches, although I think, I don't know how many, they uh, they interviewed the church members and they interviewed the pastors. And they asked them a question. They asked the church members, what's the purpose of the church? of the people in the church had answers like this to meet my needs, to take care of me. Then they asked the pastors, What's the purpose of the church? 90% of the pastors said, To reach the world for Jesus Christ, to fulfill the Great Commission. What did they learn? That the people and the pastors are on two different wavelengths when it comes to the purpose of the church. The church is here to win our world to Christ. Yeah, will our needs be met? Well, sure. God wants to help us through the church and, and, and heal us and give us hope and relationship and joy and interaction. that's no, it's all but the the reason for that is so we can be a witness to the world and what did he tell his disciples in acts chapter one when he he said you know when he left before he left as the resurrected christ he said hey go to jerusalem and wait for the promise of the father and when the promise of father comes upon you uh you'll you'll receive power to be my what witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so Acts chapter 2, the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Peter preaches Pentecost. 3,000 people get saved. The church is born. And why is it born? To win the world to Christ. Amen. The church is God's method for world evangelism. One of the... And, mm, I, I, I can remember this quote. I can't quite remember who said it. One of the great, greatest evangelical tools known to man is churches, birthing churches reproducing new churches that have a vision to win the world of Jesus Christ. You know in April I'll be uh, I, I just want to tell you this story quickly because I'm a, I've just got a little more I've told you about David and Jennifer Hatley, our missionaries in Africa in fact in a few months we're going to begin to introduce them all to you and help you get to know them better by some printed resources and some information. We want you to connect with people who are our hands extended. But Jennifer and David uh, were new Christians at, in the church where we served before we came to Quitman, Texas, which was back in 19, what, Beverly, 83? 1983, we came to Equipment. And when we did, uh, our friends, Dave and Jennifer, who were brand new Christians, he sold auto parts. He had a couple of parts stores. Uh, they had just gotten saved and moved into our house that we had there in Duncanville, began to lease our house. And it wasn't very long after we left that he said, you know, we're going to move to Africa. I said, say what? He said, we're going to move to Africa and become missionaries. I said, David, you've lost your mind. You're a brand new Christian. No, that's what we're going to do. We'll sell everything. I said, are you serious? He said, I'm serious. Man, that freaked me out. I thought, oh, my gosh. But they've been there for nearly 30 years now and you know what they have done they have birth churches all over Kenya and all over surrounding countries and the, you know and 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 he has become a tool in the hands of God to raise up pastors and leaders and and missionaries and servants and they have churches and orphanages and and uh, medical facilities and AIDS uh, uh, outreach to the children and just a multiplicity of ministry from a part salesman who had just gotten saved, who sold it all and went to Africa. And and I'll be there with him in a a few months to be able to be a part. In fact, over the years, we've we've helped be a part. In fact, last year, we drilled a a well in Gombe and now their ministry there is beginning to flourish and they've got fresh water in Gombe because we drilled them... Uh, We we sent them the resources to drill the water well. We saw the pictures of it. And now they're expanding and just growing and increasing. And that's what the church is all about. Amen. It's God's method for reaching the world. Amen. Some people think God wants to uh, build my ministry. You know, some people, God wants to build my ministry. No, he wants to build the church. Your ministry may be a part but it's the church he's concerned about. And from the church and through the church, uh, you know, there's this phrase talking about, uh, So, what do they call them, they define them, they're, they're parachurch ministries. Ministries that are out from under the governance and guidance of the local church. I don't know how I feel about that. I think on some level, all ministry has to be submitted to the family of God on some level uh, in order for the real favor and the blessings of God to be, be able to flow through them. I believe God birthed the church to reach the world for Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. I really do. And so plugging into the family of God. You know, I've learned this. You know, I can't do much. But together, we can do a lot. You know, what Mother Teresa said, uh, you can do what I cannot do. I can do what you cannot do. But together, we can do great things. <coughs> really true. I think of drilling water wells in Mexico. I could never have done it by myself. It was a cooperative effort of a number of churches. And then people would get on board and strangers. Would, I, had, I had a stranger a couple of years ago walk in my door here in that church and never met him before in my life. He said, I heard about your water well ministry. I said, yeah. He said, you know, my, my parent, one of my parents just passed away and left me a little extra money. And and, and I, I really want to sew it into something. Can I give you $5,000 for your watermelon ministry? I said, let me pray about it. Yeah, you can do that. And so uh, many hands make a light load and together we can make a big difference in the world. Amen. We're reaching the world right here. You're, you're going to meet uh, Jay Threadgill uh, on Father's Day this year. Uh, Jay Threadgill is a hero Jay Linda hero of the faith i'm telling you he was he was a man among men in my book and then post earthquake he is a he just he's now he's just mega man of god to me he just pioneered and plowed right through it ministry there in port au prince and uh just wow Just blowing and going, doing great things. He's going to be here, uh, in fact, uh, on Father's Day, which we're calling Man Church. We're going to decorate the church in all kinds of man stuff. You ladies will enjoy it, but it'll be man stuff. Uh, You know, there may actually be motorcycles and four-wheelers and all kinds of crazy man stuff here. It's going to be man church. We're not letting one woman on the stage. It's all man church. I'm joking. But we're building up men and... And uh, Jay Threadgill will be here and you'll go, wow, what a world changer. Hey, last year we built a house for one of his key leaders in his church. Over $8,000 I think we gave above what we normally give. We built one of his, our Church on the Rock Port-au-Prince family members a house. We're making a difference. It's God's method for reaching the world. You know, somebody said, God doesn't judge church by its seating capacity. He judges church by its sending capacity. How we make a difference in the world around us. So, everybody say amen. Uh, Two more. A church family. Why do we need a church family? It helps keep us from backsliding. Absolutely. Helps keep us on track. Hebrews 3. Turn over to Hebrews 3. If you're in Ephesians, take a right. I said 3. Hebrews 13. No, Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. Hebrews 3 verse 12 and 13. These are great passages right here. Uh, look what it says. Beware, uh, brethren, lest there be any among you in an evil heart of unbelieving and departing from the living God. In other words, hey, beware. There's people that can get in our midst who, who starts getting evil in their heart and they start doubting God and they begin to depart from the living God. You get the picture? They start falling away. They start backsliding in their faith. But look what he He says in verse 13. But exhort one another when? Every day. How many of you know that's more than just Sunday morning attendance? How many of you know that's connected relationship? Every day. Amen. You know, it's hard for me not to see my grandchildren every day. And sometimes Stacy, she picks up Ty and drives right by my house and doesn't stop and let me see him. I call her and I say, where are you? Well, I've already dropped him off. Because <laughs> she knows if he comes by Papa's house, he don't want to go to school. He wants to go. Be- it's not Papa and Bebo's house anymore. Guess what it is? Bebo Papa's house. I don't know how that happens, but I'm second fiddle. But hey, every day... It helps keep us from backsliding. Because we have a connection and a relationship In the family of God And it says there are people being in the church That'll start happening You exhort one another daily while it's called today Exhort means encourage one another Speak encouragement into others' life Every day, today, while it is called today Lest any of you, any of you be hardened Through the deceitfulness of sin In other words, without the protection And the relationship and the connection With the family of God We're all easy pick for the deceiving devil that wants to uh, disconnect us from the family of God you know he doesn't want you to go off and commit a terrible sin just so you'll be a sinner he wants to disconnect his real purpose with every temptation you catch this with me his real purpose with every temptation and every deception is to disconnect you from the family it's not just so you'll oops I made a big mistake and oh you made a big mistake no he uses those mistakes he uses those problems those slips in life those, those offenses those hurts to disconnect you from the family of God because if he can disconnect you you're dead right together, one, can one can chase a thousand but two ten thousand absolutely true keeps us from backsliding and let me just say this James 5 verse 19 talks about Uh, those who are backsliding and the responsibility of the church, if we see somebody who's slipping away from the faith, the Bible says we go to them and we do our best to bring them back into the fellowship and the family of God and save them. Amen. And so it's important for us to realize that among our responsibilities. You know, people come to me sometimes and say, Pastor? I've been missing brother so-and-so. You have, you know, I, I, you know, I see a lot of people. And he hadn't been here in a while. Well, give him a call. And it's like a revelation to him. You think I should? Well, absolutely. God laid them on your heart. You, you were sensitive enough to see that they weren't here. You call and connect. Say, hey, where you been? What's going on? How's things going in your life? You might just be amazed at how, if you follow through with that, how God will use you. Well, you know, we've had some troubles. Really? Well, how can I help you? Well, you just, and then all of a sudden, you're a minister and you're a helper and you're an encourager and you're lovingly leading somebody back. just like Jesus did with Peter there in John 21 when he walked back into his life. Helps keep us from backsliding. And finally, a church family helps us in time of need. How many of you have come to places in your life where you, you, just, you just need help? Boy, well, my hand's up. And let me just say, I've been at places in my life and I'm the pastor, where I've walked through some things and I've said as I've gone through them, what in the world do people do without the family of God? Oh my goodness. In their darkest hour, what do they do? Sadly, most of them pop the pill, loot, you know. What do they do without the family? What did it say in 1 Corinthians 12? When one member suffers, they all suffer. I have a friend of mine who pastors a church in Tyler. Called uh, Tyler Metro. His name's Pastor Jerry. We fish together some. He's a he fishes every Friday, unless he's got a funeral or a, uh, something. He he just loves to fish, and so we fish a lot together, and have become dear friends. And and uh, he introduced me to one of his fishing buddies, a guy named Teddy, Teddy Fisher, who by I realized later was the uncle of one of the little girls in my church there when I pastored. Uh, who I baptized and then married her and her, her husband. And so I was connected by that way. And Teddy's just like a good old country boy, not really a church goer, but long story short, Jerry years ago began to build a relationship with that family who weren't church goers. And Teddy's daddy died a number of years ago. And that's how Jerry began to able to minister to him in salvation and you know, a relationship with God. And then, gosh, four or five years ago, one of Teddy's little grandbabies died. Just a tragic, you know, what's it called, SIDS or something like that. And so there was Pastor Jerry again. And uh, he just loves this family. And he's connected, he's been a connection to this family, helping them through the traumas of life. And Monday morning, my phone rang, or mo- yeah, mid morning, and it was Jerry. And I thought, why does he call me on Monday? We, all, we always start talking about fishing on Thursday and Friday, and, you know. And I said, Hey, Jerry, how's it going? And his little voice quivered. He said, Not too good. I said, What's the matter? He said, Teddy passed away this morning. 53 years old. Fell asleep and didn't wake up. He was broken hearted, and his whole family was broken hearted. And I thought, you know, and so I've been a friend to Jerry through this, but but I thought, what would that family do without a pastor Jerry? Whew. They'd be lost without somebody who's been a voice of comfort and a voice of influence in their life, and. And a church family helps us in time of need. It really does. And I've been down that road. Paul the Apostle said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, he said this, he said, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of God. There are times in our life when the burdens that we face we can't carry them ourselves, And we need one another. And I've proved this to be true. I, and I also have sadly seen how people disconnect themselves in life and they dis, and, they, and they never get connected to the family of God. And when they either pass from this life or go through trauma, they have no support system. I'll never forget doing a funeral for a, a man who was an uncle to one of the members of my church there in Quitman. And she asked if I could go visit him in the, in the uh, hospital. She said, he's dying and he's never given his life to Christ. And if you could just try to talk to him. He, he can't communicate much. But he understands what you say. So I went to visit him just days before he died. He cursed God. He cursed Christianity. And died a hellacious, lonely death. And at his funeral, there was me, my youth pastor who I told to come with me, his niece, and the grave diggers. And I thought, this is the epitome of pathetically sad. What do people do without the family of God? And so, listen, more so every day, we need to realize how valuable we are to one another. That's, again, why the Bible says, forsake not the assembling together," as a man of some is. So much more as you see that day approaching. I really believe, listen carefully, I tell pastors this a lot, uh, because I really believe it to be true, that the closer we get to the return of Jesus Christ, you know, some people have all kinds of perspectives about the last days. We're already in the last days and about the potential traumas of the world that we live in as we move to the closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ. uh, There could be some traumas in life. But listen, I I really believe that this, the closer we get to the return of Jesus Christ, the more valuable the local church will become in people's minds. And they will flock to the house of God because it is a place and a source of peace in the midst of a storm and comforts in the midst of crisis. And so we've got to be that family that's connected and committed because, hey, we'll become some of the most valuable people on planet Earth. I really believe that. In the church, of, you know, in most people's minds, the church has become one of many options. Think about it. One of many options. Well, there's a lot we could do. We could do this, we could do that. Uh, maybe so maybe not. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things I can give my time, talent and treasure to. Uh, yeah. Uh, maybe so, maybe not. Listen. The church has got to be in our mind. The most valuable source of relationship and connection we could ever have in life. My children, and, and, and they're just, they're, they're, they were normal kids too, but they're all serving the Lord. They're all loving Jesus. And I tell you, it's not because their parents were such the sharpest knife in the drawer, it's because they were plugged in and stayed connected to the church of the Lord Jesus all their life. Listen, I tell parents all the time, don't let your kids tell you they're not going to church. Yes, they are. Well, they don't want to go. Well, that's okay when you grow up and, and uh, get old enough to do what you want to do. You can do whatever you want. But as for me and my house, we're going to church. We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to have fun whether you like it or not. Because this is what we do at the Walker home. I'll never forget Stacy. <laughs> you know, we were there every time the doors were open. And, and let me just say, parents, I understand times and issues. And uh, you know, our kids—they'd fall asleep under the pews, and you know—and you'd have to get Nathan up. He'd fall. Nathan could fall asleep on a hot rock in the middle of the desert. He'd fall asleep. And you know, today everybody said, like, "Oh my gosh, I got to have my kids in bed by eight thirty. If they're not in bed by eight thirty, they're gonna be." I'm going, man, my kids. It was like. You know what? Every time it, you know you throw them in the van and wake them up and throw them in the bed, they get up. It's amazing how that works. Don't hey hey uh, organize your world where the church becomes top priority in your life, because I promise you, uh, it, it 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 will raise great kids. And let me just say this, and I'm going to close. As far as our church family here, we've been now here we're working on 16 years you know what, we're not the biggest, we're not the brightest. We don't have all the flash that some might have or the benefits that others have. There's a lot of great churches in our area, let me say that. But I can tell you this, in the last 15, 16 years, what this church has done for those who have been here for that time span, it has raised healthy young people into adults. Raised little kids into healthy families. It's really true. See, I've been doing this long enough to, to see the children of the children uh, you know, become Sunday school teachers. You know, in Quitman, the, uh, one of the head children's church workers wasn't even born when I was there. And now they're over the children's ministry. See, it works. I say it works. It really does. I promise you that. So, hey, we're formed for God's family. That's how we fit best in life. Don't ever disconnect. Get plugged in in a greater manner. Don't let work. Don't let play. Hey, do we need to work? Absolutely. Do we need to play? Absolutely. I love to play. In fact, you know, my latter years, you know, I'm playing more than I I ever got to play when I was a kid uh, or when I was a young married. You know, I, I, you know, I'm I'm learning because you got to. That's you got to do those things. That's. But hey, don't let anything disconnect you from the family of God. Don't let any person influence relationship, busy schedule. You said, but... but uh, don't let anything disconnect you from the family. But what... No, no, don't let anything. Jesus, when... Hey, when Jesus... Looked at his disciples. He said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Some people say, well, we just have church at home. That's just one little cell in the body of Christ, but that's not church. i am just be honest with you. But I tell you, most people that say, well, we don't, we don't belong to a local church. We just have church at home. You know what, the, in my opinion, what they are really saying? We just don't care enough for other people to be a part of their life. We don't trust anybody but ourselves. You know what they're doing? They're disconnecting and they're missing God's best for their life. Nearly every place in the New Testament where the word church is used, it's describing a definitive local body of believers, not the big overall church of jesus christ in the world it's talking about church amen everybody love the lord say amen Amen. stand up together I, i hope you've connected with some of the things i've said tonight what i want you to do tonight is just pause for a moment before we dismiss and say god let me stay."